Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. Really psyched to be here. I am your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'm really glad that you have joined Roadcase for this episode. If you're here for the first time, welcome to the Roadcase community. And if you are a returning listener, thank you for your support. And I'm really psyched that you're here. Uh, there's a number of different ways you can get involved in the Roadcase community that I like to remind everyone about uh, before each episode. Uh, one of those easy ways to get involved is to follow Roadcase on the social media channels. Channels. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod is the handle. Uh, you can also email Roadcase. You can email me at my info. Uh, sorry, my email is info at roadcasepod.com. You can send your suggestions, comments, critiques, uh, even guest suggestions would be great. Love to hear from you. Uh, thanks to everyone that sent in emails, and I promise I'll get back to you. We also have a website, www.roadcasepod.com, where we list all the places you can find uh, Roadcase episodes and and uh, there's a whole lot, bunch of different kind of information there. Another great way to support Roadcase is to rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down a little bit uh, to where you see rate and review. Um, hit a bunch of stars and uh, leave a nice review. That would be awesome. Uh, you can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. For example, on Spotify, it's up in that upper right-hand corner. You see that check mark. Just hit that. Really helps the podcast. And thanks for your support. So I'm really happy to have Dory Freeman uh, on Roadcase for this episode. I really had a nice conversation with Dory. She's such a uh, humble and sweet human. Uh, really loved talking to her and learning more about her. And I know that you'll really enjoy this conversation. She just released on September 10th her fourth album entitled 10,000 Roses. It's produced by her husband, Nicholas Falk. It is a really lovely album. Dory as opposed to being on acoustic guitar, uh, which had been generally the same, uh, had been that pattern for the first three albums. On this particular album, she's on electric. It gives it this really beautiful, expansive sound uh, that I personally love, and I know that you'll enjoy as well if you want to go out and check that out. It's called 10,000 Roses. Uh, Dory is a mom. She lives in a small town in Virginia, Galax and Appalachia, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit and how she kind of got started in performance and all that great stuff, touring, etc. And uh, it was just a really, really nice conversation with a really awesome human, Dory Freeman. So thanks again for your support. I'm glad that you're here. And I want to send a special thank you to Dory Freeman for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Hey, Dory. Hey. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that poster in the background, by the way. What is oh, that? Oh, thanks. It's uh, it's a Wood Brothers poster. 
Oh, love the Wood Brothers. Yeah, my husband. We were just talking. Filled we were in just on talking that about. Tour. Ca- Sorry. <laughs> oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He did. Sorry about that. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, filled in like how? He's a drummer, right? He's a drummer. Yeah, there was a there was a short little tour they did. I guess a couple years ago, pre-pandemic, that um, Jono was out for. So Nick got to mm. he got to be a part of that, and that was the poster for the tour. So we have it. Wow, impressive to try to fill the shoes of Jono Rex. Very. Yeah. Dang. I mean, he <laughs> he wouldn't claim to try be trying to fill those shoes. Although Nick is an exceptional drummer too, but yeah. Yeah. So for my listeners, I interviewed uh, Oliver Wood on this program as well. So um, yeah, I love Oliver. You know, they're on tour right now. So I'm really, I'm psyched. I'm like telling, I'm like following the cities and like texting friends in every city that they're at to like go see them. They're so good. Yeah. Are you a fan? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Nick, my husband, Nick got me into them. He he knows Oliver pretty well. Um, And so, yeah, definitely a big Big Wood Brothers fan for sure. Yeah, God, love them so much. Wow, I'm so glad that they're that everyone's touring, you know. And uh, know. it was such a great conversation with Oliver because he just had that new solo album. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool. And you've got a new album that came out on September 10th, Ten Thousand Roses, right? Right. And uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. I love it. Thank I love you. It. And then, and then, like I went back to your first album, and I'm like, whoa, this is almost kind of like pure country, but in a really um, funky and interesting way and interesting take. And then I came back to this. Al- it was, it was just interesting to go back to your earlier album and then make that kind of see that juxtaposition. That was from a musical and melodic perspective. Do you see it? How, how do you see this kind of album just put in historical perspective vis-a-vis your other releases? I mean, it's definitely, <clears throat> it's definitely a lot different than the previous three all have kind of, you know, they're all different in their own right too, but they all have a similar vibe because they were produced by the same person who was Teddy Thompson, who I worked with for my first three records. And then this one, um, my husband, Nicholas Falk produced it. Who's also, um, a drummer and played all the drums and percussion on it. And I wanted this Mm. one to have like, just like a little bit of a, you know, a less clean sound, a little bit grungier sound. Um, I played electric guitar on this one, which I have only played acoustic in the past. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted it to have like a different vibe. Huh. Was that so just from a technical standpoint, was that fun for you to kind of do electric versus acoustic? What was what did that feel like? Yeah, it was super fun. Um, I mean, I had wanted to try that for a while, but yeah, I hadn't done like I hadn't played any riffs on any albums because I don't really I do not think of myself as a guitar player. Yeah, um, I'm definitely like a singer songwriter first and then a guitar player out of necessity <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um but it was singer songwriters kind of tend to pick up a guitar along the way <laughs> yeah yeah you kind of it's kind of a kind of a necessary thing it's uh, a requirement out there in appalachia right yeah i'm gonna i'm just i gotta i gotta correct you it's appalachia <laughs> appalachia please correct me i hate when i'm not corrected and then I'm i just so like sorry. keep saying it's it like, no 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 i'm serious thank you appalachia I, what do i know i'm like i'm a city guy it's the one thing that i we'll call people out on when they say Appalachia or Appalachia or any, any other variation of that. And I, and it depends on where you're from. And do you that. promise and that's the one thing that you'll call me out? on? Mm, I can't promise. But <laughs> just no, no Chia, just Appalachia. Appalachia. Okay. Yeah. There right, you go. You got it. Appalachia. Um, cause I saw that, that one, the video from that festival in Galax and that was really neat the way they were, it was, is that like a strings and Mando festival or something like that? Yeah. It's uh are you talking about if I could make you my own, that video? 
Um, well, you had your daughter, and then at the end, you were yeah. in the corn on the cob or something like that. And there yeah, was like, yeah. it's just a lot of people playing together, and you were like in a group under a tent or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Galax Fiddlers Convention that's been going on for like almost 90 years. And it's a, it's a bluegrass and old time festival with like competitions all week. So each night they have a different instrument, you know, like mandolin, fiddle, guitar. Dobro, and then on Friday and Saturday they have uh, the band competitions. Wow! So no punk festival going on, no like riot fest like in Chicago. Mm, no, no heavy. Although metal. it has a similar vibe, especially like in the early days, it was pretty wild from what I've heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always a great, you know, great vibes at festivals when there's live music, be it punk or um, uh, or what have you. It's just that great live music vibe with people together doing what they love and just spreading the love and spreading the energy and being together, right? Yeah, totally. Um, you like playing under those kind of, um, under those, in that in that sort of environment, getting together with friends yeah, and such? For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what I grew up like. My dad is a musician. My grandfather is also a musician. Mm-hmm. So I grew up going to a lot of like, you know, holiday parties where there was a bunch of jamming going on or just like summertime jam sessions and stuff like that. So yeah, I feel really comfortable in those scenarios yeah and you're from galax is that am i saying that right at least you're saying that right yep i'm from galax yeah yeah. so and and you're still there and um you're raising a daughter who's eight now and she's in like third grade um what's that like to i mean apart from music what's that like to be in your hometown still i have no idea what that would be like um (laughs) i mean i've i've like i've moved a bit you know so it's like i've had some um you know, I've had some time away, which is, is important, I think. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I love it. We're really close to my family. Um, yeah. And I, I have a really close relationship with both my parents and my grandfather. So I see them often. And also, you know, having a daughter and touring sometimes, it's it's hard to – I can't bring her with me all the time. And I bring her when I can, but when I can't, especially now that she um, is in school, you know, my, my parents – stay with her. So, um, it's pretty ideal for us. Yeah, and I just yeah. am, am not a huge city person. So yeah, the, I like well, it. Well, I mean, just from the built in babysitting perspective, it's, that's amazing to just be there where, where someone is, where their grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. They, grandparents tend to like babysitting, hopefully, you know, and especially if it's your profession and you need to be out on the road, how's that? Yeah. Have you, um, were you uh, leaving her with them? I'm trying to just work out the timing with pandemic. Um, so she was like six when this whole thing kind of started. Um, were you going out on tour prior to that and um, being able to just, you know, get coverage for her and let her stay with them? Has that already happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I've been doing that, you know, on and off since she was like two, but I mean, I've never gone, I've never gone for, more than a like four or five days at a time. And that's on the longer end. I try to like schedule things so that I have, you know, everything on the weekend or everything two or three days in a row. Cause it's really difficult to be away from her for long periods of time. Yeah, for sure. Difficult from your just mentally just wanting to be with her. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so sweet. Um, and uh, do you kind of anticipate taking her out on the road with you? And have you done that already? Yeah, we've done that um, a lot. I mean, especially like in the summertime when she's out of school, you know, she's come, she's already been to more festivals than, 
than most kids have been to at her age, I would say. Um, So, yeah, it's like a very natural thing for her. She's been to lots of gigs and, you know, she it's cool because she's like at that age where she can be trusted to occupy herself while we're playing and not, you know, um, cause a a scene. It's funny because when she was like three or four, there were a couple... Uh, instances where I had her with me on the road and she like came up on stage. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Playing. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Thing. She's at that age where she's like, oh, mom's out there. I'm running out. Yeah. She would just be like, oh, cool. What, what are we doing? Like we're hanging out yeah, on what stage. Is, what are and all she's these people also, out there looking at you for? <laughs> yeah. She, and she also is like very opposite of me. She um, is like a total extrovert. She loves to be the center of attention. Like, so for her being on stage when she was little was just like, you know, she thought that was the coolest thing ever. Mm. So you can, you're an introvert. You consider yourself an introverted person. For sure. Yeah. yeah. You say that very, like, very, very convincingly. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cause we were, you and I were talking about briefly just, um, you know, you've said that you don't necessarily, and I'm going to paraphrase this, uh, you don't like to play in front of people. Is that a fair yeah, characterization? I mean, pretty fair yeah i mean i i say i've gotten over that you know the older i've gotten and the longer i've played but like certainly in the beginning it was really difficult for Mm -hmm. me and i've just always been like on the shyer side unless i really know you personally and i know Mm. you well so um, how are we doing how are we doing so far okay great (laughs) (laughs) um yeah being on being on stage in front of strangers I guess is just in like knowing that people have their attention focused on you Mm. is hard for me and it's not so much like the singing and the playing and the performing itself it's you know just like this speaking to people um in between songs and just like having to have that very specific personality that you need that you need to have in that industry which a lot of people have it naturally but i just do not well do you think you need to have a particular type of personality to do this because your personality is your personality do you feel the need to change when you're up there no i don't and i mean like i have a very odd sense of humor on stage which does not come across every time (laughs) it just so (laughs) it doesn't hit (laughs) yeah it just doesn't hit sometimes i say things that i think are funny but i say them in a pretty dead pan way and people are just like i think people are just often confused by what i have to say sometimes but no i don't feel like i don't feel the pressure to be a certain way i just i'm just acknowledging that i'm not like i don't have a flamboyant stage personality like some other musicians do i'm not saying that's a negative or a positive i'm just saying that's how it is be prepared people when they come to see dory freeman that she's gonna seem awkward and uncomfortable when she talks Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and that's okay. Have you been to a Jeff Tweedy show? <laughs> Actually, I have not, but I love Jeff Tweedy. And uh, he, yeah, I mean, I love a lot of awkward people on stage. I think it makes for a good show. Well, I mean, awkward is, 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 uh, is a one way to characterize it, I guess. But I would just like your personality is your personality. I don't, I mean, as a, as, as a lover of music, I want to see someone up there that's playing. And, um, if that's a part of who you are, then that's, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, and I say the word awkward with like full love. I mean, I I I mean that as a compliment. I like <laughs> people that are that are awkward, you know. So <laughs> it's not a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's interesting. So is that something that you 
um, do since you do notice the difference between those that are kind of flamboyant and feel might feel more and more comfortable in that setting, is that something that you aspire to or want to change or sort of become better? Um, no, I don't. I mean, like I want to be myself on yeah. stage and that, and that's just who I am. So, mm. I mean, I've definitely grown f as far as like when I first started out playing, I was a lot more timid and, um, reserved on stage and I've opened up over the years, which I think is, is a good thing, but no, I don't like, I don't wish my personality. Yeah. I just don't, say, I was just, can you say that again? sorry, Kevin actually just you called me, your... so I had to hit ignore. Um, I was just saying oh, that I don't okay. wish my personality is different than it is. I mean, I, I like who I am. It's just, it's not for everyone, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I mean, that's like, like what I was saying, like people want to see who the artist is and, and that's that. I mean, and then on the other hand, you've got this amazingly gorgeous voice. So I think people see past the kind of not necessarily being super comfortable sure. talking and that's not why they're Yeah. There. I mean, I, I, that's what I hope. I'm like, <laughs> y'all are here to hear me sing, not to hear me speak in public. So. Right. Right. Well, for, for the most part, um, not to take away anything from your personality. It's just kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I was, I was laughing because I'm like, I, you know, this is a, I, I a road case. We try to focus on live music, but, uh, and, um, you know, I usually have people on here that are like, Oh, I love getting out there and performing and want to do this and that, which clearly, you know, it's part of the industry, right? I mean, is it, do, do you feel because of that, that touring and, and, and playing out will be less of a, um, uh, less of a focus for you? Has it been? And do you see that kind of going forward? How do you see um, that? No, I mean, I like, I don't hate it. I, I do like performing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's something I definitely want to continue to do. I don't tour as heavily as um, a lot of other people because I do have, you know, different obligations with a young child and um, a husband who also tours pretty frequently yeah. too. So I'm holding down the fort at home a lot of the times. But no, I definitely want to keep touring and continue to do that. Right. And your musical output has been profound thus far. I mean, you're yeah, about just 30. Turned 30 I'm, recently. Yeah. I'm doing the math right. Okay. Well, on feels, that note, how does that feel? It, yeah. It That's kind of a good. landmark. I was, I was a little freaked out about it, but, you know, it feels fine. It feels yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes and goes pretty quickly. I'm, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh no it's a great age and you've got an eight-year-old daughter and that's awesome so um and you came from a musical family though your dad and your grandfather were musical and so how did that sort of shape how you grew up and and what was your family life like at home from a musical perspective um well my dad has always played music for a living um like i do whether it's been in uh, you know he's played in a lot of different bands and he also he teaches music lessons for a living. So he teaches like traditional, not just traditional, he te teaches traditional old time um, swing, but he has a lot of students that um, take guitar lessons and fiddle, mandolin, bass. Um, so I've always just been around music and he, he has always like introduced me to um, a lot of different kinds of music, which I think was really important when I was younger. You know, it wasn't just like, bluegrass in the house or old time it was like rock and roll and swing and jazz and all sorts of different types of music which i think you know informed how i think about music 
Um, and my grandpa too, you know, they've, they've played together and he is a really great songwriter as well, lyrically. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just have always been around it and I've always had close relationships with my dad and my grandpa. So those are important parts of my life. Yeah. When did you start kind of, uh, picking up? So when did they, did they just throw a guitar in your hand as soon as you could hold something or how early was that? Well, no, not really. I mean, my dad, he definitely wanted me to be interested in music and he tried to get me to learn how to play the fiddle when I was about seven or eight. And I just had no interest in it whatsoever. Just was not into it. Mm. Um, but then when I got to be about like middle school age, I started singing in the choir in school and really mm. fell in love with that and did that all throughout high school. Um, but I didn't pick up a guitar until I was like 15 or 16. So kind of on the later side. Yeah. Well, you were saying you didn't really, that was not kind of your primary focus initially. Yeah. I mean, I just always loved to sing. Um, and then I guess, you know, as I became a teenager, I wanted to like be able to perform and play, play a lot of the song, at least for myself, not for other people necessarily, but I wanted to be able to play and sing a lot of the songs that I loved. So I kind of just figured, well, I probably should learn how to play the guitar if I'm going to do that. Yeah. Just it's, you don't need some to ask somebody else to do it. You're just a singer songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, not just, I didn't mean it in that way, but you know, no, it's I'm, like I you. Didn't take it yeah, yeah, way. yeah. It's like you're, you're out there and you might as well accompany yourself. But what was that like in school? I mean, I can imagine like you're in the choir and you're singing and people are just fucking blown away or did you get, <laughs> I mean, you, cause you got a beauty, you, you have a beautiful voice, you know, I mean, um, uh, what was that like in school and were you singled out as like, Oh, here's Dory and listen to that. And I mean, like kind of, but again, I had such a like timid personality. I was never one to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm look at me. I'm the, yeah. I'm the best singer Stepping here. Out for you know? some wild solo vocal solo. <laughs> yeah. Like even, even yeah. See, I like, that's a thing that I never even went after. I never auditioned for solos. Mm. Um, anything like that. And I mean, I did, it wasn't because I didn't think I was good enough. I just didn't have like the confidence to stand up in front of people at, you know, at 16 or 17 and be the only one singing in front of a room full of people. So hmm. that was hard. Well, so talk about that transition a little bit to having that confidence to wanting what, when did the it sort of click for you that this is something that I might want to pursue as a career? Um, I think around the time that I started playing guitar, you know, when I was a teenager, I kind of started to think about maybe this is something I want to do for a living, but also knew that I had crippling stage fright. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, the biggest, the thing that helped me the most was just the, the encouragement from my dad. So he would, a lot of his shows, he would be like, well, why don't you just come and play one or two songs, uh, and you, soft, then, you're, soft, then you're done. Soft pedaled it. That's yeah, a good move. Yeah, so he would. Yeah, he would bring me out for like one or two songs, um, which at the time felt like so so difficult. Which <laughs> yeah. now is just absurd because I play you know sixty seventy minute sets and it's fine. But yeah, so I think honestly, I think just getting out there and doing it over and over until it just becomes less scary. Yeah, it must have been really scary, and then but you pushed through it that's like i'm just thinking about that that's pers that's that's perseverance and what was it inside of you that just was like oh 
I kind of imagine like you're like, oh shit, I fucking hate getting out in front of people. It's killing me. But but you did it, and you you kept moving forward. How? Why? And how? What did that progression look like? Well, I mean, I think for one thing, I always loved the way I felt afterwards. You know, mm. I was happy that I did it, and it's like you know, it's kind of an adrenaline rush to, yeah. to be out in front of a bunch of people. So yeah, yeah I mean, I. I loved the feeling afterwards and I knew how much I loved music and I knew that it was important to me. Um, but honestly, I think one of the, the biggest things that helped me recognize that, you know, it was something that I wanted to push through and, and pursue as a career full on was having a daughter and just knowing that I wanted to set an example for her that she could do what whatever she wanted to and not be held back by anything. So I don't know, once I had her there's something about just becoming a mother and pregnancy and having a small child that, and especially like a woman having a daughter that, you know, is going to face a lot of the same things that you did. Um, hmm. It's just, I don't know. It was interesting. It was kind of a catalyst for me to be like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to do this and it'll be fine. And if I can be a mom, then I can definitely be on stage in front of people. Oh, that's cool. That's great. That's great. Um, so were you doing like, uh, part-time work or, uh, what was your job? Were you doing other paid jobs, uh, up to the point when you decided you were going to go and pursue this? I mean, I just did a, like, yes, but just a bunch of little odd jobs. I yeah. mean, I'd like, I delivered for, um, a florist occasionally I um, worked at my family's my family has a frame shop and art gallery in mm. town where I live and I worked there for a bit um I've d I've worked in like like doing CCA like meat packaging you know like organic meat where you get together with a bunch of people and you just put all the meat in a box like for a produce CCS or CCA box and stuff like that um oh like deliveries for people and stuff yeah yeah, well, like, yeah, like people that are in co-ops and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I've done all, all sorts of random things. Mm. And then, so after you were, you, when you had your daughter, that sort of, then it sort of clicked that you wanted to, to do this full time and, um, uh, or kind of had that more of a focus, if I'm characterizing that correctly, like just that this was what you wanted to do. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. But, um. Tell me, so you've, we've worked with, um, Teddy Thompson, producer, Richard Thompson's son. And, um, I love this. I love the, how you initially approached him. Can you talk about that a little? I know you've talked about this a thousand times, but can, can you it's just, fine. it's a fucking great story. I'm just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> Cause it's something that yeah. people do, but is just unimaginable that you would get to kind of this level after having done that. Can you talk to me, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I, I mean, I just sent him a message on Facebook. I get, it's been seven years ago now. Um, and I sent him a video of me playing one of his songs and just like with a little short message that said, you know, I'm like a really big fan of yours. I would love to work with you in some capacity, whether it's like recording or performing. And obviously I knew that it was a long shot getting a response yeah. of any kind, yeah. but, um, he wrote back within like a week. Um, and then it just kind of like snowballed from there. We messaged back and forth on Facebook and then call, he called me and we spoke on the phone. And then, um, after a few chats, he offered to produce my first record for me. 
Wow. Wow. And I, and, and yeah. I read like his reaction was like, yeah, I get sent this shit all the time, but she was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said, which is very nice. Well, he didn't <laughs> dislike you. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in like true indie artist fashion, you did a Kickstarter for your first album, which was, which is super impressive. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that felt like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just hard. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of work. I've done a Kickstarter for two of my albums oh, okay. at this point. The first two um, ones? Actually, no. The first and the third, which is seems very random. But, um, you know, you don't always have the the funds or the, the backing that you need when you're a small, independent artist. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad that platforms like that exist because mm-hmm. it, it makes a huge difference. Um, but it's a lot. Of, I mean, it's a lot of work because... You do have to promise, um, you know, they call them rewards or whatever, but something in exchange for the music that you're, that people are helping you create. So it's a lot of like creating other things on the side and then you have to mail all that stuff out and make sure that everyone gets what they were promised. And it's just, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to do. What, um, what did you offer? All kinds of stuff. Um, house concerts, um, Artwork, cross stitches, um, like recorded songs for, you know, like if it was someone's birthday and you wanted them to have a certain song played or something like that. Oh, that's cute. Like just, a cameo, yeah, cameo like, thing. Yeah, kind of like that sort of vibe. Right, right. Um, and you then, so why didn't you do it for, obviously, well, the question you didn't do it for your second album. You had the funding for that. So what happened with the third one and sort of was, is there some story there that you were, did it for the first, but not for the second? No, there's not really. I just worked with different people. And, you were tired um, of like sending stuff out <laughs> after the first one. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess that's part of it. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just, at the time it was just the thing that made the most sense. There's no like big story. I just, you know, needed yeah, the money yeah, yeah. for the record. So that's what I did. Yeah. Just curious about that. It's such a great story. There's so many, um, you know, just the, the, when, when, a, when, a, when a, a cold request goes out and it's actually successful and you hit somebody and they take interest, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm very grateful to Teddy. What did you, obviously. what did that feel like when you got that message that he was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it felt great. It was yeah. like, you know, it was like, holy shit, this, he actually responded. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would turn into him like making a whole record for me. I thought it would just be like, I don't know, like us. I, I don't know what I thought it would be, but I just, yeah, I didn't, didn't imagine that it would turn into us making three records together. Right. Yeah. No, who, who wouldn't have imagined that? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, do you see, have you, have you, um, have you entertained the notion of like moving to Nashville or other, like other b- no. bigger towns? City towns? <laughs> no, why not? Um, I mean, lots of reasons. Like obviously the reason I touched on earlier being close to family is really helpful and important, mm. but I just don't like, I love to visit cities and I love spending time in cities. And in fact, I just got back from Nashville and it was great, mm. but I just have no desire to live in a city. I like living in a rural place. I like living close to nature. Um, and you know, I like having a a decent sized piece of land to live on where there aren't 
people on top of me. Yeah, it's um, called a back. It's called a backyard in like it's called you know, a backyard. Yeah, yeah. It's not really a term that's kicked around much in downtown Chicago, but yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I have a front yard and it's called Grant Park and it's like where they do Lollapalooza and stuff. So yeah, my dog loves it. <laughs> That's great. It's, I mean, and you know, obviously there's like, there's definitely um, trade-offs yeah. for living in a place that's very rural like I do, oh. but I, it's just, it's worth it to me. Yeah. I mean, not the least of which is kind of, uh, you know, I can go see shows all the time. So that's kind of a plus for me is kind of. I don't want to, I'm not saying isolated in the negative sense. It's just um, sort of geographically um, is, is, uh, is being out where you're sort of on your own. And does that help you in the songwriting process or help you with your creativity? I think so. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I tend to, well, I don't tend to, I always write when I'm alone. I don't do like co-writing or anything like that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I like to be able to, get somewhere where whether it's like on my back deck or like in my bedroom right. or I just like to be somewhere alone and quiet mm -hmm. and and write by myself. So yeah, I mean that's part of it too. Yeah. Um talk to me a little bit about your writing process. Um yeah, so I I mean it varies for me whether or not it's uh like a melody or a lyric that comes first, but I have a lot, a lot of voice memos on my phone that probably sound ridiculous because half the time I'm in my car and like my daughter is talking in the background or asking for a snack or you know yeah yeah <laughs> while I'm trying to like quickly just get this idea down um but usually yeah I just will I'll put put voice memos in my phone and then come back to them later and then just sit down with my guitar and try to try to flesh out something on the guitar yeah do you kind of do that right away when you get home after that and like not let um, let time pass. Yeah. I try to do it as soon as possible because obviously, you know, d the quicker you do it, the, the, usually the inspiration is still hot and fresh, but, um, you know, it's, it's not always the case. I've had songs that I worked on a little bit and then put away for like two or three years and come back to and finished. Well, um, I mean, you flat, but in that case you would have fleshed out the kind of general idea. You don't, do you put away just notions that you have in the car or do you sort of, you come back, you flush them out and then sort of, it's either you, you, you move on it or you kind of put them away at that point. Yeah, mostly that. But I mean, I have had, I have gone back and listened for, to memos from like a year or two ago and been like, Oh, well maybe I'll turn this into a song. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like, and, and the, I, I just, I kind of like was thinking if you have the, your, your daughter in the car, that could be some great song titles too, maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why is this one sure. called going to McDonald's? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something. Exactly. I don't know what the <laughs> thing is, uh, you know, the Dairy Queen or whatever they have there. I'm sure there's something that's cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. We've got some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to songwriting, um, 10,000 Roses was, um, was written during the pandemic. Is that correct? Yeah, all of it. But, uh, one, one song that I had written a couple years prior, um, and never recorded, but everything else was written during the pandemic. I love the storm. That's just such a great song. And thank you. Yeah. And I come back and listen to it over the last couple of weeks. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that song. Oh, that one that's been in my head. It's that one. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the one that I wrote, not with the rest of the tunes. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Why was that? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I kind of, when I wrote it, I kind of wrote it from a place of like, well, I wrote it in a more like pop mindset and a more like, you know, ready for radio mindset. Cause mm. I was kind of, I kind at that point I kind of wanted to like, I wanted to get a publishing deal <laughs> and write for other people. Mm. Um, which didn't pan out at the time. So I had this song that I had written with that in mind. Um, and then I just kind of put it away for a few years. But when we started doing this record, um, it just fit in with the rest of the songs I felt like. So we recorded it. Well, um, is there a little bit more, is there more kind of more of a pandemic theme in the other songs? Cause I know the storm is primarily about like relationships, correct? Yeah. I mean, I would say no, I tried, I tried, to be really um, conscious of not writing like a pandemic record. Like I hate, I don't even like the way that sounds, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's going to become so, a I mean, thing sh- though. It's sort of becoming, yeah, a thing. I know it's, well, it's more like I'm saying, saying is- like doing the album during the pandemic, it's a time period, you know, just, I always wonder what, if, if that kind of got into artists head or, or, or what, in especially in your case. Um, no, I tried really hard for it not to. Yeah. Um, cause I, cause I just, knew that like you said that is going to become a thing and there's going to be a lot of records coming out that like are you know heavily focused on that sort of mood the mood of the pandemic and stuff i didn't i didn't personally want to make a record like that not that there's anything wrong with it but i just didn't want to make a pandemic record well when you write about relationships is it about you and your husband in general how does that work for you um i mean i've written about my husband and I for sure. Um, but like almost all the songs that I've written about Nick are like the sweet ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good for Nick. Uh, yeah. Right. He's, <laughs> he's a great dude. But, yeah. um, the other songs that I've written about relationships, the ones that are about, you know, harder relationships and bad dudes and stuff. Those are from, you know, either past experiences or, um, experiences that close friends have had that they've shared with me um you know stuff like that ah so yeah so taking elements from other people's uh story that's how you get around saying that it's about an old boyfriend yeah sometimes (laughs) i mean i I definitely i definitely have a lot of songs about old boyfriends that's for sure but i'm not denying that but a lot of the songs i've written on the last two records you know i'd say i took a lot more inspiration from people I know and some of the stuff that they've been through, you know, mixed in with a lot of the stuff that I've been through. So right. yeah, it's all personal in, in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, songs are just highly personal and, 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 and so are yours. Um, you've talked about wanting to kind of um, shoot down the Appalachia, Appalachia uh, stereotypes. Um and you've spoken about the people, what are those stereotypes and what, um, or what do you, how are you trying to represent? And why did you, why do you feel like I've read that? You've said that in a couple different places. Have you seen, do you kind of feel like that's sort of, that's a thing that's been placed on you a little bit or? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I feel like it's just all the stereotypes that have been around forever about Appalachia, you know, like hillbillies and rednecks and Mm. being uneducated and, you know, 
is, you know, and like the meaner side of things, like families that are inbred and all, you know, just all the really mean things that are said about people from this part of the country. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to fight back against that because I think it's a really beautiful place in the country. There's a lot of beautiful, really hardworking people here. Um, and it just gets a bad, it just gets misrepresented so often. And I think it's also like a, a very, um, used place in America, like just historically by big companies and, um, people that have come in for the, for the materials and the resources here and used the people and got their money and left, you know, um, which is why so many parts of Appalachia are poor and underdeveloped and don't have what they should compared to the rest of the country, um, or other parts of the country, not the whole country, but yeah, I just, I want to, I want to make sure that people have like a fair and full picture of Appalachia. Yeah. And, um, do you think that has that been received or you've gotten any feedback as to what your, what that's kind of meant for people? Yeah. I mean, I think especially with this new record, I have a song called Appalachian on this new record, which is about that directly. Um, and I've had some people reach out to me on social media or after concerts and, um, you know, say that they really liked that song or that it touched them if they're from a similar part of the country. And, and it could be anywhere rural, you know, it does, it's not necessarily just Appalachia, but just, you know, I think it's a, it's a relatable experience for lots of different parts of the country. Um, yeah, well, stereotypes and not only for kind of geographical, but from, um, uh, ethnic perspective or diversity perspective and uh, gender orientation perspective, for sure. I mean, these are things that people always face and it's good that you're, you know, trying to break those down or at least, you know, using your voice for other purposes besides songwriting. I mean, that's always a, that's never a bad thing, I think. Well, I mean, in your case, it's not a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. Yeah. Depends on the, well, yeah, it can, can yeah, be. <laughs> we'd have to go to the dark place, but yeah, but that happens. Yeah. Um, so what is this, um, uh, how has it been having this, this new album out there? And, um, are you, uh, uh, how's that feel that you're kind of babies out into the world now? Feels really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just happy to have it out. I'm just, <laughs> I'm always happy when a record comes out. I, but I really like these songs. I feel like this this record is, um, I don't know. This one is kind of has a special place in my heart. I, I really am proud of like the songwriting on this record. Yeah. And um, like I said, I pushed myself to play like a lot more lead guitar than I have on any of the past records. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just, I'm happy it's out and that people are, hearing it and responding to it and yeah it's, it's yeah right weird. on are you um do you plan on touring i notice you don't have a ton of tour dates that are set what's your kind of mindset with that um yeah i don't have a ton of stuff at the moment i'm just trying to a lot of that is pandemic related because it's just it's just been hard to navigate with um you know all the whether or not venues are have a vax mandate or a mask mandate and having a small kid who is unvaccinated. And, um, so that's been challenging, but yeah, part of it is just that we're just starting back up after the pandemic and there's not a lot of opportunities at the moment, but I'm hoping in 2022 to 
for a lot more yeah than I did this year. What's the scoop with you with um yeah the third the lower school there and you're in 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 Galax in terms of like masking and such for the little kids? It's that her school, her elementary school is ma- everyone wears a mask. Yeah, okay. That's all good. day. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I feel for the parents that, you know, parents of younger kids, if they can't get vaccinated, et cetera, I guess we're kind of working on that big picture. I don't know where that's really, um, yeah, I don't know where that's going. <laughs> I know. It's got to be nerve wracking for you. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and especially being a touring artist with so many restrictions and so many, there's so many variables that can occur, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've already had stuff that was supposed to happen be canceled you know like opening for other bands and they weren't comfortable with the venues you know outlook on things and so those gigs got canceled and that affects me too and then it's and same for my husband same for everyone that i know who plays in the industry i mean everyone has already had lots of things canceled yet again so it's just it's just challenging trying to get it going again yeah where are some of your favorite places to play in the country Oh, that's a good in question. This country, um, in this country, I mean, not the country. In this country. <laughs> or around. <laughs> um, I mean, I like playing. I like, there's a lot of great venues, but I really like the, I like the festival vibe. Pickathon I played, which is in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. a few years ago. That was like probably the best festival I've ever been to as far as the care and the detail they put into taking care of artists and also like the, just the beautiful stages they create every mm. year. It's like a whole curated thing. And, um, also Red Wing Roots is another good one. Mm-hmm. That one has a special place in my heart because it was one of the first, well, one of the first and one of the only festivals that I played that I brought my daughter with me and they were like, Oh, we have, we have childcare for oh. your kid while you're wow. playing, which is just unheard Red of. Wing, Red so, Wing Roots it's called. Mm-hmm. Where's that? Yep. It's in, uh, oh gosh, it's like right, at, it's near Stanton, Virginia. I forget the the name of the actual town. It's kind of a, it's in a state mm-hmm. park, um, pretty out in the middle of nowhere, but it's just this really great festival. It's run by um, the Steel Wheels. Uh huh. So, well, yeah, you'll find out other festivals, you know, what that, that, um, that have daycare and such, you know, I mean, if, cause if you and your husband are playing, it's like, who's, you're just going to recruit somebody or. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that we, perf- you know, when I, ordinarily when I perform, he's performing with right, me. So right. it's like, yeah, so that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about like indoor venues and such? Where's sort of, what's the farthest afield in terms of touring that you've done, um, around? Oh gosh. Um, I'm so bad at like remembering names of venues. <laughs> um, <laughs> Da, 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 da. I mean, I played uh, one of the places I've played the most and really love um, is this place called Isis Music Hall in Asheville, North Carolina. That's a really great mm-hmm. venue. Um, you know, I've played at a lot of the city wineries, uh, yeah. um, you know, uh, Rockwood in New York. I've played a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to hard to think right now, but yeah, yeah. No, putting you on the spot is not that. Nice. I just figured there'd be a couple in there, and I just wanted to kind of explore like touring for you. What's it like when you're out on the road? I mean, do you usually go out for many weeks at a time, or kind of what's your uh, what's the preferred way that you like to set it up? 
I don't go out for, I mean, I've been out for a couple weeks at a time before I did a, a tour in Australia that was like two and a half weeks um, when my wow. daughter was like three. And that was, by the end of that, I was just like, I can't do this again and not have her with me. It's just too long. Um, oh, she as, didn't go with you. No, she did not go with oh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was hard. Um, yeah. Boy, but also. Good. That was really far away. <laughs> It was really far away, yeah. Yeah, but it was awesome. I mean, it was Australia, so it was incredible. Um, but no, I like to try to do like long weekends when I when I tour and play. So, you know, three or four day weekends. Um, I just try to stack things as close together as possible. I try not to have days off if possible. Um, but yeah, I'm never, I try not to be gone for more than four or five days at a time. Right. Because it's just too much. Right, right, right. Uh, cool. Well, I hope to see you out there. Come on in down to Chicago. You know, there's a lot of great places to play here. Totally. Yeah. So many great big open spaces here too. Awesome. <laughs> no, there's some <laughs> great parks and such, you know, I mean, you said he'd like to right. visit cities, so this is kind of a fun place to be. Yeah. I'd like to spend more time in Chicago. I've, that's one city that I haven't really spent a lot of time in. Oh yeah. Come check it out and play. It'd be great. It'd be great to see you. So the new album's terrific. Uh, 10,000 roses. I love it. So, um, and thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for spending the time. And I always love meeting a fellow Wood Brothers fan. So there you go. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Is that poster? Yeah. yeah I, love that. <laughs> I love that one. Um, Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Dory, for being here. I really, um, it was really cool to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for spending the time. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Dory Freeman on Roadcase. I was so happy to have Dory here. Uh, she's got this great album, like I said at the top, and we mentioned several times during the uh, conversation, 10,000 Roses. It was out on September 10th, and it's just a lovely album. I suggest everyone give that a listen. It was produced by her husband, Nicholas Falk, who, uh, as I found out during the interview, filled in for John O'Ricks uh, of the Wood Brothers, and Dory's a big Wood Brothers fan. Uh, they both are, as a matter of fact. I love meeting other Wood Brothers fans, so that was a fun co coincidence I didn't know about that was brought on by my noticing the poster behind her that was from the Wood Brothers tour where Nicholas played, so that was pretty cool. But Loved talking to Dory about her uh, life uh, and uh, her early exposure to music and being in a musical family and how that shaped her life. And I especially like talking to her as a parent myself. Uh, she's a mom of an eight-year-old. And uh, of course, there are some challenges to being a touring artist, but uh, those are mitigated by Dory having family co close by, which is certainly key to being able to tour out there. And I really find it interesting to look at touring artists and how they cope and deal in uh, with the different way in different ways ways, um, being out on the road and how that sh um, kind of shakes out from artist to artist, always very interesting. And also really interesting was to hear Dory talk about overcoming massive stage fright uh, as a kid and um, with such a gorgeous voice, you know, she just didn't want to take the spotlight and just was terrified of being up there. But as with anything, and I've even learned that from uh, hosting a podcast, you know, you just got to get out there, put your voice out there at some point, And uh, that's the only way that your voice is going to get out there. And um, I loved how 
Dory talked about getting her dad's help. Uh, his, her dad is a musician and he'd be performing and bring her up a couple times, you know, just said, Hey, just a couple different songs, you know, sort of in a gentle way and soft pedaled his way in to getting Dory up on stage. And I thought that was really lovely. Um, and I loved hearing that story. And I learned how to properly pronounce Appalachia. And I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly that time. And I was serious about uh, liking to be corrected because I have made some mistakes in talking to artists and with pronunciation or places or what have you. Um, and I go back and I'm like, oh, I wish they had said something, but I'm really glad that Dory said something. So I was, I was not being facetious about that. I was being serious. Well, I really love this interview with Dory. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Rowcase. We got tons of episodes coming up in the next couple of months before I end this season on December 24th. So stay tuned for those. Uh, please subscribe to our Instagram channel. We're at Roadcase Pod for the latest information on Roadcase. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for your support. And I want to send a special thank you to Dory Freeman for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road.